All right, a reading from Matthew 28, chapter 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here's my question, Pastor Nick. (laughs) Why am I expected to spread the message of Jesus? And before you can answer... Welcome, everybody, to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson. I am your host. And today, my guest is Reverend Dr. Nick McRae, one of our associate pastors here at Treach. And uh, he and I are going to explore the question, why, if I claim Christianity, am I expected to spread the message of Jesus? And you might think, based on the scripture I just read, there's your answer. But I have a few more questions. So, uh, I love it. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get started. Mm-hmm. Why am I expected to spread the message of Jesus? You know, the Great Commission mm-hmm. sets that expectation for us. But I am not gifted at teaching or evangelizing. Mm-hmm. Um, are there different ways? Because sometimes I feel like what is preached to me from the pulpit is when you got good news, mm-hmm. you want to share it. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, like I'm an extremely private person. I have my family makes fun of me all the time because I literally have two friends. I have two friends in my <laughs> life and then I'm super close with my family. And so it's like, OK, I want to share something good that's happened in my life mm-hmm. with my two friends and my family, yeah. but I'm not posting things personally sure. to social media. I'm not telling every single person I come in contact with, guess what happened to me? This amazing thing. I got a scholarship or like whatever it is. Um, that's just not in my nature. And so is that acceptable? Like, am mm-hmm. I not living into like the commission because I am more private? No, I don't think you're not living into it. (laughs) Um, I don't think we have to turn ourselves into uh, extrovert social butterflies in order to, in order to gospelize, evangelize, share the good news. Um, And I also think that if we're primarily thinking of those people that we're encountering with the gospel as people that we don't already know, we're skipping over like the most obvious um, uh, fruitful, like best opportunities for that. Uh, so what I mean is if we think we just, we, it's only like, okay, I, need, I need to go talk, walk up to a stranger and say, Hey, do you, can I talk to you about Jesus for a minute? But, um, terrifying. Right, exactly. I just cringed yeah. a no, little oh, bit, like hearing yeah, you say yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I guess you, so for some people that's their, that's their, that's their jam that, that they have, they have the skills, the personality, the, the inclination, that kind of stuff. Um, but, we, even those of us who have a, maybe a small circle of close friends, there are other people we know, right, that we are around sometimes, maybe less in the past couple of years. Um, I think that those opportunities, like the people we're close to are the ones who are going to take us seriously anyway, mm-hmm. right? And so we have an opportunity, and that doesn't mean, once again, just walk, going up to all your friends suddenly being like, hey, can we talk about Jesus for a second? It might look like that, depending on the friendship, depending on the situation, but it might not. Um, 
I think that that uh, once again, we may have to look for opportunities, but I do think that 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 starting with the people we know and are in a relationship with already just just makes sense because those are the people who are going to care what you think mm-hmm. about about stuff, which might it might be a scary thought as well. But I do think that depending on, um, I mean, there are ways to sort of like, I don't know, uh, maybe. The question I would want to ask myself is, am I living in such a way that people would know that I'm a Jesus person, that people might think to ask if I'm a, right, if I'm a, if I'm a Christian, that kind of thing? Um, am, I, am, I, am I living out the values of, of Christ in a way that either would be obvious or that would invite the, the question? So that it's not always like, hey, can we talk about Jesus? People are like, wait a second, you, you're a Jesus person? Now, there may be some work that has to be done there if people have a if people have a negative impression of what it means to be a Christian Jesus person, right? So anyway. Because that's uh, what I was going to ask is uh, that's been another common thing too of like, are you living in a way that people would guess that you're a Christian or ask if you're a Christian or see that you're living differently? And I take issue with that too, because I'm like, "Mm, you know what? I have so known so many atheist people who are just good right. people. Yeah, yeah. And you would be surprised. I would be surprised to find that they're not a Christian. Cause I'm like, well, if you're not a Christian, why are you doing all these good things? Why are you serving the community? Why mm-hmm. are you like loving and caring for people? And they're like, because that's what it is to be a good human. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm yeah. like, okay, what does it mean when you say, how are you living in a way mm-hmm. that exhibits Christian values? What are how have you acted in ways that people have been like, hey, are you a Jesus guy? Yeah, I think, well, that's, that's a really great point because it's not, right, it's not as though we, we, if we see someone who seems to be like doing a lot of really good stuff, they must be a Christian. We know that that's not the case, right? Not only are there a lot of Christians who, who don't, don't do sort of work to improve the world, but, but there are lots of other re- motivations for doing that. I think that, 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 um, and this is going to sound, okay, when I say genuine Christianity, I don't mean to like say, you know, I got the right sauce and everybody else don't, but I do believe that genuine Christianity, uh, has something to inspire and offend everyone, which means is I believe it's profoundly countercultural. No matter which, no matter which side you're on or what part culture you're in, there's something that's going to to make people who are truly exhibiting the fruit of the spirit um, stand out. For instance, I know a lot of people who are like, let's say, um, who who are. And I'm not saying this. Someone couldn't like look like this who isn't a Christian, but there are a lot of people who like work tirelessly to improve the world and who love their neighbors and stuff like that. But um, I wouldn't necessarily say they were exhibiting the fruit of the spirit, right? They don't necessarily exhibit peace or patience or kindness or the very gentleness, right? These other things. I know, a lot of, you know, um, and uh, not that every Christian does those anyway, but I believe for, for me, what I hope is that I'm, I am, um, I think, for instance, for instance, people. I think people tend to be confused by me more than anything else, and it inspires the question. It's like, wait a second, you believe this, or you do this kind of thing, but you also care about this. You're also, you know, uh, what is that all about? And it's like, this is my way of living out my, my my Christian witness. This is how I understand what it means to be a Christian. It might include living in such like doing certain things, um, but I think primarily, it's about just being like Jesus and Jesus was weird and Jesus was different and had a so unique flavor. So go out flavor. and be weird. I mean, be weird in the way Jesus was weird, I guess is a way, a, a, a fun way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And not to just like beat a dead horse here, but I'm, I'm, you know, my parents next door neighbors are uh, practicing Muslim. Mm-hmm. 
they are the most loving, caring, Mm -hmm. hospitable. Like when you talk fruits of the spirit, Mm -hmm. like they are it. They are constantly going out of their way to be helpful to my parents, bringing them food, helping them with chores, like inviting them Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. their church for activities and not. And like there's just this extension of friendship that I'm like, man, if Christians were to live that way, maybe we right. wouldn't get such a bad rap, but right. we have not been hospitable. No, we have not. And not. so, yeah, it, it's, I'm kind of straying away from the question. Why am I expected to spread the message of Jesus? But maybe just the fact that I'm asking that question means I'm part of the problem too of well, like, well, no, I think that, I think that, uh, I think it's a, it's a really valid question though. Um, and I think one of the answers is uh, Jesus told us to do it. I don't think that's the only answer. Um, And I think another one is that if we're truly convinced, some of us may not be, but if we're truly convinced that that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world um, and have truly experienced that, that to be the case, even acknowledging the sort of like ways that Christians genuinely mess it up (laughs) and have, and uh, right. If we, if we really believe that, I think that um, it's become something that we, and it just kind of hits on something you, I think you've mentioned earlier that that, that we that we that we want to do. Um, that we so you mentioned you know you're not, you're not the kind of person that always wants to just tell everybody about you know hey I discovered this great new whatever this new restaurant I just want to tell everybody right it's something right. that preachers will often say you know you you know if you saw a great movie you want to tell everybody about it right and you might say I actually don't. I don't I want to tell my two friends about it but yeah. I don't want to tell everybody. Um, I think there, you know, there maybe there's some element of that, but uh, I, the, but the point being, you do want to tell somebody about it, right? Because I was just thinking about it. I was imagining like us, you know, I'm just I know you a little bit, imagining us here at church, cell sitting in the lunchroom or the little room 170 where we all go to eat lunch, and uh, you know, we're just sharing our lives together, right? Mm-hmm. And saying like, hey, what is it? Did you see that? Have you seen that, whatever the name of that show is, right? Like, it's really, it's really good or it's really, right? that kind of thing. We have those kinds of conversations. Um, and I think that, I mean, that's a, is a model for, for what, how to, how, how I would interpret what those preachers are trying to say. Not that you go around and you're telling everybody on the street, hey, you got to go see, I don't even can't think of a movie. You can't, you got to go see the, I'm just going to say my favorite movie. You got to go watch Lawrence of Arabia. It's the greatest movie ever. <laughs> it's my favorite movie. Um, but it is about, um, perhaps, um, yeah, sharing it with your friends. Like mm-hmm. I'm genuinely excited about how great this movie is. If you haven't seen it, like, I really think you should go home and watch it. Um, so, so let me ask <laughs> this because what I've always thought about when they say spread the good news of Jesus mm-hmm. is like telling people about who Jesus is. Like it yeah. feels very one Oh one to me, right. but like I think of my two friends and my family and my community. And I've always built my community from church sure. like that. Mm-hmm. My entire life, my friends have been made at church. The activities I'm involved in happen at church. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's, like kind of like preaching to the choir. Sure, yeah. So like, could it, I don't know, like it, it makes me feel like I'm failing because right. I am supposed to be telling somebody about Jesus who doesn't know about Jesus, but that's so far outside of who I'm in contact with. Right. I work sure. at a church. I grew up yeah, in a church. Uh-huh. My friends are from church. Like all of this mm-hmm. stuff is like, I rarely meet people who aren't 
involved mm-hmm. in a church in some way. Yeah. I think there's two things there. Uh, that's great because that's an experience of very many people. I would say this experience of most pastors, uh, maybe, you know, for sure. Right. Because, and not just anybody who works at a church, right. Because it's like so much of your professional life is, and your personal life is all mixed up together in this, in this church world. I think there's two things there. One, I think that is an indication, and this is a very big challenge for me, uh, that maybe we need to be more intentional about meeting different kinds of people for one. And as an introvert, once again, it's like, I already can barely manage my few personal relationships. I know when I have too many friends, I just like shut down. I'm like, this is too many lives to keep up with. I like, sorry, I'm out. Right. Right. So I get that. So I think that there could be a challenge toward that in there. Another one is I think that there's maybe if we, if we could, rethink, not rethink, but uh, expand slightly what we mean when we talk about sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. Certainly for someone who doesn't know or hasn't accurately maybe um, heard what the sort of the content of the faith, if you will, like what, you know, who Jesus is, what he did, what why that matters, that kind of thing, that would be essential things to communicate to them. But I, I, think, I don't think that means that people who know those basic facts um, don't need to be, uh, have the good news shared with them. Because I think that one of the things everybody has is their own sh- story and their own experience. That is something totally unique. Uh, even if it sounds similar to someone else's story, it's not because it's your story and it's my story, whoever's telling it. Our own take on it th- in the midst of our own lives, in the midst of the own, uh, this very specific relationship we have with that person. So that it can be, I can imagine two different friends of mine telling me um, about their experiences you know, whether it's just some, you know, some challenge, the spiritual challenge they're having, some source of joy they're getting from, from, uh, from their faith, something like that. And it would be very different. They could tell me similar things, but just knowing those relationships, it would be a very different situation. Right. And it would be very potentially very powerful in different way coming from either person. So I guess what I would say is, um, and it's not unique, unique to me, but that it's not just non-Christians that need to be evangelized <laughs> Christians. And I think that's why evangelism ought to extend to Christians as well, because we need like, it's not like you learn the basic facts and now you're good. You know, everything you need to know. We all need support edification. In fact, if we look at, uh, Ephesians chapter four, this is a pretty good, um, so one of the places, so actually it's funny. I was looking, thinking earlier, it's like, okay, you have this list of spiritual gifts and a lot of times evangelism is on there. I was like, okay, I think I know where that comes from, but let me make sure I'm not missing one. There's, so there's not like a, a gifts list necessarily in the Bible that has that one on it. I kept thinking, okay, wait, so where does that come from? And that comes from Ephesians 4, where it's really talking about these roles where it says, um, uh, you know, God gave... Uh, apostles and prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So it's talking about really roles. It's the different kinds of roles that that God gave um, for the building up of the body of Christ. And I think on the one hand, that could be adding people to it, but also just like building up the people who are already in it, building up the body. So like an evangelist doesn't just add numbers to to the church, but I think builds up the faith and the confidence and the spiritual maturity of people who are already in the church. So I, I need to, I need to be evangelized, even though I already, you know, am supposed to be like some kind of, you know, I get a paycheck for knowing and communicating the, these facts and I still need to be evangelized. 
When was the last time you shared about Jesus outside of a church setting? Because I know you've talked about like, hey, I'm an introvert too, but also part of your job is yeah. literally yeah. getting up in front of people on Sunday morning and talking about Jesus. Yeah. Um, every single day you're coming into a church building yeah. where you're constantly talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you did that outside of any type of church setting? Yeah. Um, Great question. And how did it go? <laughs> so this is a this is a very um, unique kind of. I don't know if it's not probably not unique, but um, so on. I'm not like big into social media, but I'm like I'm on there. I mean, I spend a lot of time on Facebook, like most Americans do now. But and not just Americans, most a lot of people do now. But I also have a uh, a Twitter and an Instagram profile, and on Instagram, I had put as my little I don't know what you call it the little sentence that's underneath your picture, right? The top of your, whatever your little description or whatever it can be. Um, I had put something like, um, you know, ask me about Jesus, something like that. I really didn't expect it to happen. Actually, I did get, have gotten a few messages here and there that have usually just, and they've been, been interesting conversations, but the most recent one was the most interesting because someone just, you know, reached out, reached out to me. I don't even think they're one of my followers on, I don't even know how they found me. Um, and they started sending me this message. It turns out they were, I remember now, have you, have you ever heard of the gun church? If, you know, you know what I'm yes. talking about. Yeah, okay. they were in the news. Yeah. Uh, either North Carolina or South Carolina, it's somewhere in the something. southeast or yeah. Virginia. I think we'll say Virginia, somewhere Virginia. in that area. So the gun, the gun church. This is where a, they literally are bringing like AK-40 or yeah. AR-15s yeah. into church with yeah. them yeah. Yeah. as like a part of worship. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So it, that that I've learned a lot about this group. It's a it's an offshoot of what what are called the Moonies. So the Moonies, it was this movement in the 60s, 70s. Basically, there was a um, a, a, a South South Korean preacher whose last name was Moon. Um, I think there was like an HBO documentary I'm on sure this there or was. something. I'm like well, a documentary right. junkie, so I'm I for some I have no idea how, but I know everything about this subject. <laughs> well, yeah, it would be the one where they have, would have the huge like arena sized mass marriages. You know what I'm talking? Yeah. Like, so, so it was this group that they have some very strange doctrines, but it's based. In Christianity, this person reached out to me and said, "Hey, um, I'd really like to ask you some questions about Jesus because I'm trying to figure out if I'm in a cult or not." <laughs> oh wow, what a question! I know. To get. I was like, "Okay, well, ask." So we started like chatting a little bit, and then she was like, "Okay, could could we just like could we like like video chat because I'd like for some of my, some of my like followers to see this." So we did whatever the little whatever you call it when she like we do a video chat that's like broadcasted to her followers. Yeah. So we had one conversation that was probably an hour and a half or two hours long. And then she contacted me a couple of weeks later and was like, Hey, can we do that again? And this time it was like, I could tell she was really searching because she had like this chart. She was basically laying out like, okay, here's the like basics of my, what my church says about theology. And now can you, can you tell me what, what, you know, sort of mainstream Christianity has to say about this. And so we spent probably another two hours just going through and kind of helping her sort of see the differences between what sort of mainstream uh, Orthodox Christianity would say about the certain things than, um, than what her tradition would say. Interestingly, I'll just give a little tidbit. One of the sort of um, weird theological things about the, the moon, I think it's called the unification church. Anyway, but the, um, the, the Moonies, it's, uh, theology is that um, what happened in the Garden of Eden was that Eve and the serpent, which was Satan, had sex. Not that they ate fruit. That was a metaphor for having sex. And that their offspring was is the reason that there is sin in humanity. And there's a whole thing about that. And there's what's one of the reasons that marriage is such a big part of their thing. Anyway, um, so I had to walk her through and say, okay, that's not how we see it. Um, and gave her some different ways. And um, 
And she was just really, I kept thinking like, I didn't really know, not hundred percent sure what was going or what was how, you know, how she was processing it, but she seemed to be really seeking. Um, and I don't know that it made any difference. I've seen a few of her posts since then, and they haven't been, been substantially different than the ones she was making before. Uh, very sort of inter. She, it may, it may, she may have actually, we've had it may have this conversation. She may have ultimately decided, no, I'm going to stick with, yeah. I'm going to stick with Moon. But also you never know um, what's going on because there's a lot of community pressure and right. it might be like, okay, I feel like I need to like keep up appearances until I've fully discovered like what's going well, on. Absolutely. And, and she's a second generation member of this church, which means that to leave it, would be to go against her parents and yeah. so not just her community. And I think she's married too, to someone in that. So it would have been not it's a lot. It would be basically social. leaving her life behind. Right. Right. And I'm assuming, I don't know, but from, you know, and a lot of times when you're in, especially for in this particular, these kind of closed circuit kind of uh, communities that, yeah, it's a, uh, it, it can really fracture those relationships to do that. So I guess the point being that, that when I, when I asked the question, when was the last time you shared about Jesus? This is not the answer I expected. I figured, yeah. Like, you didn't expect me to be like, so I spent several hours on Instagram chatting with someone who wanted to know if they were a member of a cult or not of the gun church. Oh <laughs> so. my gosh. I feel like when you, and so when she reached out to you, you said like in your profile, you said, ask me about Jesus. Do you also make it known that you're a pastor? Oh uh, yeah. So I think my handle or whatever you call it on there is like Pastor Nick McRae. Okay. And then I think I said something like, how can I pray for you to ask me about Jesus? Something like that. Yeah. Cause I feel like when you have reverend or pastor in front mm -hmm. of your name, like people just come out of the woodwork, like talking about talking to you about anything that like, not to say, um, that wouldn't happen to me if I put the same thing in my profile, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if someone would, I might experiment with that. Put yeah. that in my profile, well, see what happens. Well, and, and, and so, yeah, I would say that it didn't, I didn't get a lot of messages, but I did get some. So her, she wasn't the only person that ever reached out. Now, this was over a period of at least two or three years. Yeah. Um, she was the most interesting and the most recent, but there have been some other with this, just came up with just little questions uh, or, hey, can you help me understand blank, whatever. So I think there's been a handful of other people who have reached out. So I wouldn't recommend that as to say like, you know, uh, this, you know, if someone's out there thinking, how can I, you know, really, uh, get out, begin sort of having this stuff. I wouldn't say, Oh, that, just put, ask right, me about Jesus right, in your profile say, right, on say, social right, media. I wouldn't say that that's like the way that you can just go ahead and supercharge, go ahead and, you know, that's all you need to do. And you'll be able to spread the, the good news left and right all, you know, but people, but I was, actually surprising people have written to me. Um, so anyway. have, have you ever gotten negative reactions from people when you've shared about Jesus? Yes. Yes. And, but it has been, once again, social media brings out the weird in everybody, right? Yeah. Some, it, sometimes it, it, it can help people be more vulnerable sometimes in certain ways. Like for instance, I don't know that that person would have come up to fit if, if we had met casually somewhere out and found out I was a pastor. I don't know if she would have been like, Hey, will you talk me through the theology, Christian theology? So I can like see if I'm sitting a at a table behind you in a restaurant and be like, Hey, I just heard you're a pastor. Right. I don't, I don't know if she would have done that, but she felt comfortable doing that through. Yeah, so it there's, can help. there's some safety behind the screen. Right. Yeah. So, so it can help people be more vulnerable, but it can also help people feel fine about misbehaving. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would say it's the 10 is mostly just been online interactions. Um, and, and for me, it's mostly been people who just, um, who are just sort of 100, sort of, um, what am I trying to say? Who um, have just decided that there's nothing good about 
Christianity and it's just harmful through and through no matter what you say about it. So that's, mm-hmm. and there are people who either cause they've been wounded or cause they've just, that's what they see and they haven't had any personal experience with it. So anyway, I, I get why people are there. Well, it, it makes me that, think you know. about like when, um, oftentimes when people find out not only am I a Christian, but I go to church every single week mm-hmm. and I work at a church Oh, so you're crazy. No, 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 they're, they're surprised by it. And at first I was like, kind of, (laughs) or you see, like at first I was kind of offended by it. Like, (laughs) oh, am I not living in a way (laughs) that people would guess I'm a Christian? (laughs) But the sad thing is it's actually the exact opposite of like, they see me being accepting, loving, not Mm -hmm. tearing into their opinions, Mm -hmm. not trying to convince them that what they believe is wrong. Like all of these things being completely like authentic and like, yeah, I curse every, like not every now and then all the time. Like the way that I speak, the way that I act, the way Mm -hmm. that I interact with people, um, they're like, Oh really? You're, you're a Christian. Cause I think that what they're used to receiving is like judgment, um, self-righteousness, mm-hmm. like all of this stuff. And it makes me sad that like, that's a surprise yeah. to people yeah. of like, Oh, you're not what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, and so yeah. I'm like, okay, is I'm trying to let myself off the hook here, but I'm like, <laughs> is me just living the way that I do spreading the message of Jesus? Yeah. So that's a great question. I think that it can go a long way. And so this is, so one of my beefs, if I, People still use that word, right? One of my beefs with um, the way that mainline Christianity, like like you know, the Methodists and a lot of other sort of sister faiths do evangelism, is we've decided that, and this there's some truth to this, that li- like, like living like Jesus or and and doing what Jesus and like uh, you know helping the poor and feeding the hungry and these things that those are not only uh, important and not only really great ways to evangelize, uh, but also su- completely sufficient that we don't ever have to say a word about it. Um, I think that we need to be doing those things because that's what a life that's been transformed by Jesus Christ does, right? It it um, it seeks justice. It seeks to bring healing to the world. It seeks to seek out the least and the lost and protect the vulnerable and those all those things. It seeks to do that because that's that's what a renewed heart does, and that's also you know Jesus commands it. So even if even somebody who who maybe hasn't had an experience where they suddenly feel that like this is just who I am now, they can at least read and say this is the example of Jesus. I'm going to follow it and see what happens, or I'm going to follow it. So so that's very important. So I never want to downplay that and say like that's not important. But when we say that's that 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 is a a um that is perfect 100% sufficient for evangelism. Like nobody's ever going to learn the content of the faith by that. No one's ever go- I mean people might start asking questions, but honestly these days as you pointed out yourself, there are people who do those kinds of things not because they're Christians and not because Jesus did it, but because they want to make the world a better place. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we, I think, I don't think we can, maybe you never, maybe we never could, but certainly don't think we can ever assume that because someone is doing good deeds and serving others in a selfless way, that that means they must be a Christian. So I must say, so therefore when they see me doing that, they might say, Hey, I can see that you're a Christian. Will you tell me about your faith? That's not what I assume when I see someone doing that. I assume that someone, I mean, it could be any reason. There's so many reasons someone might serve at the soup kitchen, might do whatever it might, um, uh, name it. Right. Um, 
So I think, I think, but also by that same right, I don't think just going out and telling people about Jesus and helping explain the faith to them and, and help, help lead them into becoming a part of a Christian community. I don't think that is, um, right. Just using words, right. Is not sufficient either. I think we have to do both. Um, that's so much, I know it's so much work. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But my hope is that it can become right. It's not not, not something Jesus says. Um, right, my my uh, my uh, uh, my yoke is is easy and my burden is light. Right, that it's not like oh man, I have so much stuff to do today. I got to go out and serve the poor, and I got to tell people about Jesus, and I got to mow the yard, and I got to get the kids to school. And I, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about being, and at this, I think this happens slowly in most people's lives. Slowly reorienting your life until those priorities become baked into what you do so that it's no longer I'm adding on other stuff, but like I am deciding to devote my life in certain ways to this rather than the other thing. Now there's certain things we don't have a choice. Like you got to go to work, right? Most people have to go to work. But um, anyway, I think it's more about, yeah, your life change than about just adding on stuff. So let me ask about um, spreading the message of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Is the end goal to convert people to Christianity? Because sometimes that's how it feels, mm-hmm. and that's just never sat right with me. Yeah. Great question. Um, I think it's going to depend on what you mean by convert. Ooh, okay. Would you want to say more w- about that? Yeah, okay. So the word, so I want to say the answer is, is uh, yes and no, and it's going to depend on, once again, on what you mean by convert. Uh, convert has... And I think maybe when people react to the idea of converting someone, that it's a very it's an active verb, right? So the idea is that I am causing someone, I am making someone somehow go from whatever they are or whatever they're how see themselves into a Christian, as though I'm exerting some kind of force upon them. Um, and you know, in history, there have been examples of you know you know there have people have felt threatened into or whatever, right? Think about crusades and various other things um, that has happened. Certainly, but I, I think that most people aren't thinking I'm gonna, I got to go out and threaten somebody's life until they become a Christian, right? No, anymore. no, right. but there but, are churches that keep count of how many people have we saved this week yes, and keep that right. as like a metric. Oh no, yeah, I know, I definitely got you. So, so I guess what I would say is, um, if by convert we mean force in some way, either force or coerce or guilt or whatever someone into becoming a Christian against their will then no, that's absolutely not it's something we want to be responsible for. So I think that's why I think the word convert is difficult. I think that my goal, I would love it if everyone that I come into contact with uh, were to um, experience the love of Christ and decide for themselves, right? Or feel compelled by the Holy Spirit, something like that, right? If we're to be led to become a Christian. And that that doesn't mean I don't value people who are not Christians. It just means that I I truly believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And I, 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 while not, you know, wishing ill on any other type of person, I would love for everybody to have that hope, and I would love it. Uh, and so it, 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 I guess I would say is, yeah, telling people about Jesus, I, I, I don't just want to convey information. I would love it if that information were to inspire something in them to then make them start seeking that would ultimately lead them to um, 
recognize and come to believe that Christ is the hope of the world. So, um, so yes and no. And I think maybe you can just see the difference in those approaches, right? Because it seems violent to like, to say, I'm going to convert these people and I'm just going to, I'm going to make them Christians, even if it's not physical violence, right? That somehow they're being, having this other identity taken away from them. If it was just us convincing people, that would be both pretty hopeless and it wouldn't mean a lot if it was just us convincing people about information, right? Yeah, but, like persuasive Christianity feels right, a little like, right, right. And, and, and now I do think that persuasion has a place because I think people, a lot of people have built a lot of barriers around themselves. Sometimes we need to help them look past those barriers because people, like, for instance, uh, false images of what they think Christianity is, bad experiences of people in the church, right? Sometimes there are barriers that need to come down so that persuasion can help us with that. People think like, for instance, someone who thinks Christianity is completely irrational, there's no reason to believe it. It's just all just blind faith. And there's no, you know, it's anybody who accepts it is just, is, is totally abandoning their reason. I think, I don't think that's true. And I think if you can show someone that, for instance, that's going to take down some walls. But, um, if we're, it's not just about communicate, we're not just us out there communicating information. I believe that the Holy spirit is, um, is active as well. And, um, so in some ways that takes the pressure off of us because we don't have to say, man, 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 if I'd only convinced this person better, if I'd only had a better argument, we want to have good arguments. I mean, good reasons. I'll say that not like, you know, argument sounds like fighting, mm-hmm. right? I want to have, I want to have good reasons. I want to be able to communicate intelligently my faith. Um, but, um, you know, not to say we don't want to have that. We don't need to have that or want to have that, but, um, ultimately it's the Holy spirit that's going to lead someone or, and that the person is going to respond to, they will, they will respond to us. But anyway, I think you see what I'm saying. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not all about me yeah. <laughs> and having to like, Oh, make sure that I get this person to accept Christ. It's about being a part of that person's journey with mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit and their sort of dealings with the Holy Spirit ultimately. Because if they're, they're ultimately they're not going to, they can reject me and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And this is difficult for me because I'm a, I'm a person who likes people to like him. I don't like to have conflict or any kind of barriers between me and people. Broken relationships, I can't, I can't handle it. But um, to know that it's ultimately not me they're rejecting. On some level, it might be, but it's ultimately if they're deciding, just just no to Christianity. They're not. I I think they're rejecting an offer from the Holy Spirit. Going back to like forced conversion, forced Christianity. Right. Like I feel like we can all agree at this point that that wasn't helpful. That wasn't led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That wasn't good for us to do. Yeah, you're not so, gonna, you're not going to find that. I mean, you, you you have to do some really um on, you have to do some really big mental gymnastics to read this and get to that. You have to go, you have to re- it's really bad exegesis, yeah. really bad interpretation of scripture to say, oh, we got to forcibly convert people to Christianity. So on a lighter note of that, mm-hmm. not to compare it to, you know, the conquistadors and the inquisition and yeah. all of these things, but how do you react when you feel people are inaccurately talking about mm-hmm. Jesus? Like when I've, I've gone to um, many different pride parades and mm-hmm. almost every pride parade I've ever been to, there's a group of people standing on a corner holding signs saying God hates gays and right. preaching about how everybody here is going mm-hmm. to burn in hell. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. 
okay, maybe not the same as like violently converting people right. of like either accept Jesus Christ or die. But I feel pretty confidently that's not Jesus's intention of spreading the good news. Yeah. How do you react to things like that? It, it, ultimately, it depends on... Um, now, in that particular example, I react very poorly to that because I think that is a perversion of of who Jesus is. But on the whole, just in general, how do I react to people misrepresenting what I believe misrepresenting Christ is going to depend on how they're misrepresenting and what the motivation for that is. If it's a if it's a lack of understanding or something like that, that's that's a totally different thing. It's like you know maybe I want to help them, maybe I just want to walk away and say you know this is not my thing. But if someone is impugning the the reputation. <laughs> of my Lord, I, 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 that's, I'm not going to, it's not going to be okay with me because I, and here's the problem. There's a lot of problems with that, but I guess what I'll say is now that's an extreme example that you gave. Yeah. But, I mean, but you see it all the yes, time. You absolutely do. And, yeah. and, and what, I, what I'm going to say is there, there are versions of this that I think are also very bad that are even more commonplace. And that is that I see anyway, just this combative like combative, uh, aggressive Christianity in general, it doesn't always take that form. So for instance, um, now online, you're going to see it more than anywhere. But there's oh, yeah. there's always going to be that guy who's going to comment on any on any post about about the sort of gentle or um, pastoral side of of who Christ is. Uh, that's going to come in and say like talk about well yeah you know but Jesus turned over tables in the temple right or or you know well Jesus called the so and so's hypocrites right and so and they're going to take that those few instances in the New Testament in the Gospels and they're going to turn that into like their whole approach to other people in Christianity, right? They're going to see themselves as, I got to go out there and I got to confront people. I got to point my finger. I got to hold people accountable. That's what I hear from people is saying, my role as a Christian is to hold people accountable. Yeah, And, And the interesting thing is, I know people who cannot help themselves doing this on both of the quote unquote sides, like yeah. both really conservative Christians and both like really combative progressive Christians who are just like, anytime they see something, they gotta, uh, they, 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 they like, they have to go out and, and, and be, and now there's a place for prophetic, for being prophetic. Right. But if all we're ever doing is being prophetic, we're forgetting like, 80% I want to say of what of the example Jesus gives or us. Or I'm going to use I'm going to take one moment of Jesus's ministry and use it to fulfill my agenda. Absolutely. And that's usually turning over tables. That's usually uh saying, you know, thou hypocrites, uh you brood of vipers. You brood of vipers. <laughs> exactly. which, I do love he, that verse. Right. It, it is a good one. <laughs> and fortunately, yeah, Jesus says it and John the Baptist says it, so it's like, you know, hey, if both of those guys are saying it then it must be you must be able to, you know, it must be a, a good one. Um but, you know, so anyway, to me, that is a, that's a problem because that's, that's, that's a misrepresentation of who, of who, of who Jesus is. And, and, um, anyway, so in that case, I try not to like get into Facebook debates. I occasionally fail and I enter the fray and I always regret it. Um, but sometimes I do feel compelled, like, you know, it's just not helpful. I'd like to, you know, I always think I can help, but I do. I wonder can't. if the solution is to like send the person a private message Probably. instead of co- going into the comment thread. It, pro- it, it almost certainly yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that impulse. It's like you know, I think somebody somebody else might need to read this. Yeah, so someone else needs to see, and right. that's what I think too. Is like there are so many times that <laughs> I want to comment on something just because I'm like, okay, somebody out there needs to see that not everybody agrees with this opinion. Right. Yes. Like, and that you are allowed to think outside yeah. of this person's right. opinion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and I sometimes I. 
for better or worse, I, I am that person. Not very often. I usually just walk away. But, uh, but anyway, so sometimes my reaction is to just say, be frustrated and, and move on knowing that I can't fix that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but other times I do feel compelled to like, you know, I just want to, I feel like there's something other people, once you said, might need to know because, and to me, that would be a, a moment of evangelism to sort of, I hope in a way that demonstrates the fruit of the spirit, a way that does show uh, gentleness and self-control and all these things, um, even joy if possible, right? A way that, that, that would help somebody to then read that comment or to hear if it was in a in-person conversation to hear that. Um, but it's a really tempt, it's a big, you know, it's a real temptation to just not handle it in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And to just kind of like, you know, um, return like for like return aggression for aggression. Um, so it's a fine line to walk. <laughs> well, okay. So to wrap this all up and I, I, I'm, I'm going to rephrase this question. So mm-hmm. it says, if someone is scared to start conversations about Jesus, what advice would you give them? And I put it out there as like a mm-hmm. hypothetical, but the truth is I'm that person, yeah. right? So if you could give me any advice mm-hmm. about how to start conversations about mm-hmm. Jesus, um, knowing all of the things that I've laid out for you about like, these are all of my hesitancies. This is all the baggage I carry with me. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for me? Yeah, I have. Uh, it's a, I really love that question. There's a couple of things I can think of from, from my life that have, I think have, have been helpful in that. One, one is, and I may be the most important one, is ask, ask questions. Um, and basically- Check. Just, I'm, I'm good at that yeah, one. I, yeah, exactly. I know you are. <laughs> just like, and like, because that, that's how you build relationships with people. That's how you yeah. learn about somebody, right? So just start like, I don't know, start a conversation. And I'm trying, I don't even, I don't know exactly what the first question would be, but just like, hey, tell me what you think about, or what do you think about this? Or that, I don't know. I, I wish I could give you more specific examples of like, I wish I could think back to a time and think, give you specific examples. But um, ask somebody about what they believe about something, right? Ask somebody about their faith, spirituality, their worldview, philosophy, whatever it is, right? And I think that when you start asking people, start getting them to tell you about themselves, not only are you building a relationship, but that will also um, just help you understand them better. And um, presumably they will ask you back, it may not, but if they don't, then it could lead to like, you know, I see, you know that's interesting because I think, you know, I, I see something really similar to that and, and sort of, you know, show something about your faith or, you know, that's funny because I think about that in really a different way and here's why, right? So something like that. I mean, just asking questions, worst case scenario, it never gets around to where you hoped it would go and you, you still learned about your, your friend um, and you had a cool conversation or awkward, you know, you know, whatever. You, learn, you, you built a relationship with the person. Um, but asking questions and about, what they believe, I think is a great intro to having those kinds of conversations. Um, you can't really control, I mean, I guess you could try to, but I wouldn't know how to try to control the conversation so it goes the way I want it to, but that's not the point, I don't think. The other, the second thing would just be, um, uh, and this is my, I don't know that this is like a general piece of advice, but just something that I can think of that has been really useful to me because, okay, you know, you know, I love the Bible. I think Bible stories are kind of just in my head all the time. A lot of us who grew up in the church, that's going to be the case. Um, I remember having a friend, a conversation with a friend who is, who's, who's Wiccan. And she, we were just talking about something and she was talking about something to do with, uh, with, with her, uh, Wiccan practice. And we were conversing and I was like, you know, you know, that makes me think about something that Jesus said. Right. And I would just, and I wasn't like, combating what she was saying, but I was saying, you know, there's a story in the gospel where Jesus does it. Right. And I just kind of like brought it up as an, an example of something and you can do, you know, it didn't have to be talking to a Wiccan friend to do that. It could just be in any kind of conversation. Um, 
because they're, I mean, one of the great things about the fact this is not just, and now you can, you could do this with like Paul and sort of discourses as well. But one of the one things I love about the, na- the gospels being narratives is it's stories, right? And stories, our lives are full of stories. And so for me being the sort of Bible nerd, I'm always going to be like, you know, there's this one story in, in, uh, in, in, uh, the first Kings where blah, 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 you know, whatever, you know, or even we're talking about game of Thrones or something. And it's like, you know, this is just like the story in second Samuel. Let me tell you about, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a couple ways that I have like low, potentially low awkwardness, but, um, very, uh, I think fruitful either way it goes, you're building a relationship with a person you're sharing with a person. Um, it doesn't always have to be do you have five minutes for me to tell you about Jesus Christ yeah. or whatever? And that's what it, and that's what I'm saying. Like this conversation has been so helpful to me because it has reframed. You've told me on multiple occasions you think that the term evangelism gets a bad rap because yeah. we there's so much baggage around mm-hmm. the word. Um, but for you to lay out for me, hey, this doesn't mean you have to walk up to a random stranger and say, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, that's not what the Great Commission is saying. That's not what is expected right. of you as a Jesus follower. Like that takes a huge weight off mm-hmm. my shoulders because for so long I felt like I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm never going to be able to do this. I don't want to do mm-hmm. this. If this is what's expected of me, like, I'm out. I'm out. Um, But just saying, hey, keep your ear to the ground Mm -hmm. for conversations with friends of and use your life experiences, use your knowledge of scripture, use your personal relationship with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and realize it's not something that you need to control. It's not something that is, you are responsible for how that message is received by the person. And it is not, you don't have to go out and be a Bible thumper to, to do this work. That's just, uh, it's very freeing to hear that. Well, and I I really, I'm really glad to hear you say that because, because, you know, I, I I agree. And, and, um, it's one of the reasons that, you know, I, I, I wish, um, what am I even trying to say? Now, I do want to say that some people, some people may, that may be their jam is like going up to strangers. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not discrediting oh, no, that oh, at all because there no, are absolutely. some people who yeah. are extremely gifted in that, right. feel very confident doing those things. And it does come naturally right. to them. It's a part of their personality and it's just not me. And so it's always felt like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm force fitting a puzzle piece in. Right. And I think your experience is, is, is a very, it, I, I resonate with that. I think most people probably do, and I, which I think makes it a shame. Then, if we if we're stuck with this one idea of what evangelism looks like, which means that the most of it, most of us are, are not doing it because we don't feel equipped, because we don't feel because we feel intimidated, we feel, we don't feel we feel it's like it's unnatural. When I really think that the most powerful for everybody, the most the most even those even those outgoing people, it's the people that are already in your life who you are not only best situated to, but best equipped to. And I think best called or most called to be that person too, to share that with. And I think when we forget about that, I think that's why a lot of, I mean, I don't know, I'm just, just one guy, but I think that's why a lot of evangelism fails is because it's not based on relationship at all. Mm. Um, 
It's very one directional, right? And, yeah. some, and sometimes, some, sometimes someone really just doesn't know something. They just need that some, sort of maybe something to come from, come from the outside to sort of like be like, oh, there's something I never, I never even knew or thought about or conceived of. But um, yeah, relationships. Now, 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 the downside of this is that we can end up, um, we can end up just assuming it will happen because we have relationships and never get around to it. I think that's that's better than not doing it not doing it at all. Um, even cause then, then at least we're still building relationships, but I do think that it is, um, if we don't see our personal relationships as not opportunities in the sense of like, I'm going to get some more notches on my belt. Right. But just to say, uh, to share the hope of the world and to share your joy with, um, if we're not using, if we're not, if we don't see our relationships that way. Um, I don't know. I think that's like the, the missed opportunity of, for evangelism because mm-hmm. yeah, it's almost like, you know, it's, and this is a, I don't know if it's a crass metaphor, but it's like it's totally skipping over the low hanging fruit <laughs> to, cause you want the one at the top of the tree. Um, and once again, it's not, you know, not like commodity And that's or whatever, all of but. our pride and ego of like, Oh, I want to go out and get the people that, uh, would never even know about Jesus without right. me. Right. It's about me. <laughs> right. There's absolutely, I think there's absolutely that. And it's also a self-protection because it can also be vulnerable to share with your friends and acquaintances and family members. Cause those are people that like, you can't just walk away and be like, I don't have to ever see, see that person again if this doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. So it's also can be intimidating. I get that. But I think it, if we, if we're building genuine relationships with people, you know what relationships sometimes like, you know, they're not always like, sometimes it's awkward. Mm-hmm. That's okay. well thanks nick this was a really great conversation i appreciate you this is awesome same to you the life plus god podcast is hosted written and produced by me Alyssa robinson and sponsored by treach memorial united methodist church in flower mound texas if you live in the flower mound area i invite you to stop by and see if treach could be your church family you can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org Next week's episode will be brought to you by Men in Progress, a monthly podcast series hosted by the United Methodist Men of Treach to explore challenges faced by men. 